0: The California High Court finds the Consumer Legal Remedies Act does not apply to a life insurance policy. And Qualcomm and Broadcom end years of patent and antitrust litigation with an $891 million settlement. These and other stories from the Legal News Desk make up this LexisNexis California Legal News podcast. LexisNexis Legal News California, from the pages of LexisNexis Mealy's Publications. Current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. The California Supreme Court has found that the state's Consumer Legal Remedies Act does not apply to a life insurance policy. In late April, the High Court affirmed the dismissal of claims alleging act violations in the marketing and administration of universal life and flexible premium universal life policies. Pauline Fairbank sued Farmers Group and Farmers New World Insurance Company alleging claims of deceptive practices in the marketing and sale of universal life policies. One of the causes of action alleged was for a violation of the Consumer Legal Remedies Act. The Superior Court dismissed that claim, finding that insurance policies are not goods or services as defined in the Act. The Second District Court of Appeal upheld the trial court, and Fairbanks petitioned the California Supreme Court for review. The Supreme Court held, quote, life insurance is a contract of indemnity, Under which, in exchange for the payment of premiums, the insurer promises to pay a sum of money to the designated beneficiary upon the death of the named insured. The court found life insurance is not a tangible chattel or a good or a service under the Consumer Legal Remedies Act. The Ninth Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals has found a sexual molestation exclusion precludes insurance coverage for a minor's negligence, sexual assault, and rape claims. The circuit court said the exclusion in an Amco insurance company homeowner's policy bars insurance coverage for any bodily injury or property damage arising out of sexual conduct by anyone and is not limited to an insured's conduct. Ashton Crosswell sued Amanda and Dan Flores, alleging negligence, sexual assault and battery, and rape. She alleged that when she was 15, she attended a party at the Flores home where she became intoxicated and was subjected to unlawful, unwanted, non-consensual, and damaging sexual encounters with the Flores' son, Daniel Jr., or other intoxicated individuals. Flores sued Amco Insurance for breach of contract after the company denied coverage for the underlying action. The Eastern District of California ruled the policy applies separately to Mr. and Mrs. Flores and contains a global sexual molestation exclusion, which is not limited to an insured's conduct. As such, the exclusion applies to Ms. Flores despite that she is not an alleged active participant in the sexual activity at issue. The Ninth Circuit affirmed finding the sexual conduct exclusion clearly states the policy does not cover, quote, bodily injury caused by any person, including those other than the insured, end of quote. A mortgage insurer has filed suit in the Central District of California claiming it's entitled to rescind 11 policies issued to Countrywide Financial Corporation because the mortgage servicer misrepresented the type and origin of the mortgage loans for which coverage was sought.
1: According to United Guarantee Mortgage Indemnity Company's complaint, Countrywide issued billions of dollars of residential mortgage-backed securities known as Countrywide Asset-backed Securities. To form these securities, Countrywide originated and sold tens of thousands of subprime mortgage loans to trusts, for which Bank of New York Trust served as the trustee. The Bank of New York Trust issued and sold shares of these securities to investors in the secondary market. Countrywide sought coverage from United Guarantee to increase the credit rating of the mortgage-backed securities and make them more marketable to investors. According to United Guarantee, Countrywide falsely represented that it had originated the mortgage loans. Based on Countrywide's representations, United Guarantee issued 11 policies to Bank of New York Trust to cover the loans underlying the securities. After a large number of defaults on the mortgage loans, United Guarantee discovered most of them were underwritten in violation of Countrywide's guidelines or contained other material defects. As a result of the number of defaults on the loans, United Guarantee paid more than $30 million and claims that it may have been exposed to additional claims of several hundred million dollars. In its complaint, United Guarantee claims that had it been aware of the type of mortgage loans it was insuring, it would have issued a different insurance policy or refused to insure the loans. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Michael Lefkowitz.
0: The 2nd District California Court of Appeal on May 5th ruled that a state farm insurance homeowner's policy does not cover water and mold damage that resulted from contractor-induced negligence that led to corrosion and water seepage. The 1st District Court of Appeal on April 30th found commercial liability insurer Peerless Insurance Company had no duty to defend its insured in a cross-claim by Apple Computer, alleging unfair business practices. Years of patent and antitrust litigation between Broadcom Corporation and Qualcomm Incorporated in various U.S. federal courts, as well as before the U.S. International Trade Commission, the European Commission, and the Korea Fair Trade Commission, have been resolved with an $891 million settlement. According to a statement issued by Defending Qualcomm, the company, accused by Broadcom Corporation of patent infringement, will pay the plaintiff $200 million by June 30th, The remaining $681 million will be paid over four years. As a result, all litigation between the companies will be dismissed with prejudice and both parties will grant certain rights to each other under their respective patent portfolios. Broadcom supplies communications chips and was seeking entry to the cellular market when its efforts were thwarted by Qualcomm, the owner of numerous patented cellular technologies and which was ultimately accused of refusing to grant the plaintiff a license with favorable terms. Broadcom filed suit alleging patent infringement, and in 2007 a jury returned a verdict in Broadcom's favor. Just one week later, the International Trade Commission determined Qualcomm had infringed a separate Broadcom patent relating to cell phone chip power management technology. The parties then squared off in numerous other venues over integrated circuit products, with Broadcom expanding its case to include allegations that Qualcomm committed antitrust violations overseas. In settling the case, the parties agreed to not assert patents against each other for their respective integrated circuit products and certain other products and services. The 1st District California Court of Appeal has affirmed a decision in favor of several tuna companies, agreeing that since methylmercury in tuna occurs naturally, the defendants are exempt from state labeling requirements. The California Attorney General sued Tri-Union Seafoods, Del Monte and Bumblebee Seafoods in San Francisco Superior Court asserting violations of Proposition 65, the Safe Drinking Water and Toxic Enforcement Act of 1986, and the California Unfair Competition Law. The lawsuit alleged that tuna companies distributed and sold canned tuna products in California without providing a clear and reasonable warning that the products contained methylmercury. A Superior Court judge found Proposition 65 was preempted because it conflicted with federal law. The amount of methylmercury in canned tuna did not rise to the threshold level that would trigger a warning requirement. And virtually all methylmercury was naturally occurring, making the companies exempt from the warning mandates. The 1st District Court of Appeal affirmed, basing its conclusion on scientific evidence that supported the trial court's finding that methylmercury in TUNIP is naturally occurring, thereby removing the companies from the reach of Proposition 65. A 5th District Court of Appeal panel has upheld a lower court's ruling to find that a woman's journal posting on MySpace.com was already public. Thus, she did not have a reasonable expectation of privacy and could not pursue an invasion of privacy claims related to its being subsequently republished in a local newspaper.
2: Cynthia Moreno posted an unflattering review of her California hometown on her MySpace profile page. Although she removed it less than a week after posting it, Roger Campbell copied it and submitted it to a local newspaper, which printed it in its letters to the editor section, attributing Moreno as the author by first and last name. Due to the local reaction, death threats were made against the Moreno family, Moreno's father closed the family business and the family moved out of the area. Noting the popularity of MySpace, the appeals panel found Moreno's posting made her article available to any person with a computer and, therefore, could not be construed as private. Even though Moreno claims that she only intended the ode to be read by her friends and then removed it after six days, The panel said the affirmative act of posting it in a public forum removed any expectation to privacy that she may have had, adding that Campbell did not publicly disclose any private facts. It said Campbell's submission of the article in Cynthia's name was merely giving further publicity to already public information and cannot provide a basis for an invasion of privacy tort. However, the panel found it would be appropriate for a jury to determine the nature and motive of Campbell's actions, finding the lower court's sustainment of demurrer on the intentional infliction count to have been in error. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Mark Rogers.
0: A federal judge in late April upheld a $100 million award in favor of Mattel in the ongoing dispute over competing doll designs. Central District of California Judge Stephen Larson rejected defendant MGA Entertainment's argument that the award was duplicative. The award consisted of $10 million for copyright infringement and $90 million on contractual claims. Former defendant Carter Bryant worked for Mattel as a fashion designer and on the design for the Bratz dolls. Acting as a consultant, Bryant took the drawings to MGA without Mattel's knowledge or consent. That prompted Mattel to claim MGA and Bryant stole company secrets and committed copyright infringement. Intentional interference with contractual relations, conversion, and unfair competition. Bryant settled with Mattel shortly before the trial began. Jurors in the case against MGA found the doll line infringed Mattel's copyrights and awarded the plaintiff $100 million. In December, Judge Larson, citing direct competition between the popular doll designs, ordered the impoundment of all Bratz dolls and the destruction of their plates, molds, and matrices, but stayed his ruling. Both parties then moved for judgment as a matter of law. The so called Bay Bridge Welding Rod Products Liability Plaintiffs want a hearing convened May 28th to consider their motion for bifurcation of the liability evidence from the damages phase of their allegedly unique claims in the Coordinated California Welding Rod litigation pending in Alameda County Superior Court. The 48 Bay Bridge welders allege exposure to welding fumes and dust while working during the Oakland Bay Bridge Skyway construction, which began in 2002. Francisco Aguirre is the lead plaintiff. Aguirre moved for a hearing to consider a bifurcated trial on liability evidence on April 30th. The defendants are the BESAB Group, Lincoln Global, Thermal Ceramics Americas, and others. The lead plaintiff says the Aguirre case is different from all other cases in the coordinated proceeding. Quoted It is the claims of 48 welders on the San Francisco-Oakland Bay Bridge for injuries arising out of overexposure to welding fumes. In addition to products liability claims against the manufacturers of welding products used on the bridge and one distributor of those products, the Aguirre plaintiffs uniformly assert claims of negligence against the industrial hygienist who was engaged to monitor welding fume exposure and protect the health of the welders. The Aguirre claims all rise from the same job, overexposures in confined spaces, the same unique perils to plaintiffs, and the same specifically identified welding products. McGuire says bifurcation and a trial on the liability evidence will save judicial resources and avoid prejudice to the parties. California Coordinated Welding Products Liability Litigation Test Trial Plaintiff Albert Thomas on May 1st filed a notice of his intention to appeal the February defense verdict for Lincoln Electric, the ESAB Group, and Hobart Brothers. Final judgment was entered in March for those defendants. Thomas was chosen from the pool of plaintiffs for the first trial in the Coordinated Litigation. In that trial, which began January 12th, Thomas sought to recover under strict products liability failure to warn and under failure to warn sounding in negligence. In each case, the jury found the defendants failed to adequately warn Thomas of the risks associated with using the welding rod and wire, but concluded the failure to warn was not a substantial factor in causing his neurological injury. The Lexus One Community where individual attorneys are going for free case law, the Lexis web search engine, free forms, and Mealies online. Get access to Lexis.com through research packages for the time you need without signing a long term contract. Check out emerging issues analysis, news, blogs, the Download Center, the LexisNexis Store, and more. Lexus One, the online community and research resource for individual attorneys. www.lexisone.com If you'd like more information on these and other California cases, visit LexisNexis.com slash Mealy's, M-E-A-L-E-Y-S, or TotalLitigator.com. LexisNexis Legal News California is written by the editors of LexisNexis Mealy Publications, current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. The LexisNexis California Legal News Podcast, copyright 2009 by LexisNexis, a division of Reed Elsevier Incorporated. LexisNexis. Total Practice Solutions. I'm Steve Bursler. Thank you for listening.